Welcome to the Top Order Podcast. This is the Hangover Breakfast, day two of the Bay Oval Test Match, Mount Monganui. Fair to say, New Zealand's day on that second day, but still plenty to play for in the Test Match. We're going to talk Tom Blundell, we're going to talk Devon Conway, England's bowling plans, bumpers and nighthawks, and the refinement of basketball. All coming up on the Top Order Podcast, Hangover Breakfast. Stay tuned. Where do we want to start from day two? Another beautiful day um, at the Mounts, but opening salvo from you, I think, Shu? Yeah, look, look, I don't want to um, start the, the thing on a, a negative note. I mean, yeah, we're just obviously three guys just sitting here talking about cricket probably for the next 20 or 30 minutes, but I, I have just been sitting here this morning looking at uh, things from the, all the news from the, the cyclone around New Zealand. It's like, it's been awful. Um, you know, anyone who's been here, we in New Zealand, or we up in Auckland, kind of thought we'd had a rough few days. But you know, now as the the stories come around out from the rest of the country, it's it's just horrendous. And um, yeah, look, uh, we're going to try and talk and, and be positive for the next you know half an hour, like I said. But yeah, I just wanted everyone to know that kind of thoughts are thoughts are with everyone that's that's really suffering. And I think anyone, any listeners that can can do anything to help, um, I would encourage you you to do so. But yeah, look, boys, yeah, you know, let's move on to the cricket and. Um, yeah, I mean, another entertaining day of cricket, right? 300-plus runs, nine wickets, I think. It's It's been a, a very entertaining test so far. Well, let's just have a little recap. End of day one, New Zealand 37 for three. Uh, so the not-out batsman, Devin Conway, who was on 17, and um, New Zealand's own Nighthawk, Neil Wagner, uh, was four not out overnight. Um, so look, definitely going into the start of day two, it was yeah, England really, really in the pound seats. Um, but a fantastic partnership, really. Um, or a, a number of uh, actually fantastic partnerships is probably the wrong word, isn't it? There were a number of really good partnerships, mm. um, and yeah, probably that that tenth wicket one was the one that would have really pissed England off. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, I, I think you have got to really put your, your your hat off to to Devon Conway, um, and we'll talk a lot about Tom Blundell as well, won't we? Oh, I'm I'm sure we will. But your point about the partnerships is is a, a huge one because that's exactly right. New Zealand got I think four or fifty partnerships in the end. They were at times well to start with it got to eighty for five. <laughs> Daryl Mitchell was probably sitting there all day seething at at his dismissal. Uh, there are there are some deliveries you leave and, and some you don't. But yeah, not not the best day for him. And suddenly we're eighty three for five. I think it was and thinking, geez. It'd be nice when we get past this follow-on. Was kind of the next target in my mind, and and but then Blundell and Conway got going, and, and suddenly it looked like they could bat all day, didn't it? Mm. Yeah, we talked about it yesterday morning in the Hangover Breakfast Part One, as as Conway needing to post a significant contribution, and Daryl Mitchell being there to support him to allow contributions down the lower order and we got fantastic contributions from the lower order from New Zealand like the tail really wagged in the best possible way to bat around and establish better mm. look Tom Blundell's innings I'll come on to it now it, it was superb it was fantastic he batted so well with the tail he was patient with Kugeline. he was patient with Blair Tickner trusted Blair Tickner to face you know 24 balls in his three not out on test debut both of those guys on test debuts put on 50 partnerships for the eighth and the tenth wicket respectively and that's huge that's huge in the context of this match because new zealand effectively went from staring down the barrel of 200 200 all out or less 
to being within 90 runs of parity with England at the close of their first innings. And that is huge in the context of this match. A lot of people around us were saying, you know, it's a 400 par deck, you know, both sides have, have underperformed on this wicket. But actually, I think we are where we're supposed to be in this in this wicket, you know, in terms of the, it being a close game. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just reiterate my comments from last night when one team scores 325 and the other scores 306. You can't say that par was 400. Um, par, very clearly, about 315. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm sure those guys aren't listening to the podcast. <laughs> I'm sure that at both two sides will look at their batting, though, and think we could have got more. Because, um, I, mean, I mean, both teams... I don't, I, I don't know that not earning it is the right way to put it with the bowlers, but I think a lot of the wickets were, che- were cheap in both innings. You know, I mean, just talked about Mitchell. Mitchell's just left one. He did get deceived by Robinson that jagged back, and, and you know, that was a good delivery. It but was it was a good also delivery. And I think even decision. if he played a shot, it would have still been a good delivery and probably beaten the bat. But because he plays a shot, he maybe survives that. But you know, you look at some of those uh, dismissals, particularly down later down the order when Blunder was in. The likes of Bracewell just hitting one straight to straight to mid mid on, off Leach, Southie's one hitting it down to finally having hit a boundary earlier in the over. You know, they're they're the ones that you look back and think, gee, if we could have just you know, if you look at what Tickner did with uh, Blundell, if we could have just stuck with him for a bit longer, mm. he was because he, I mean, by the end of his innings, he was just looking majestic. Like, I mean, you know, you, you talked about him before, but and. I think it's very easy when someone scores 100 to then go to start throwing all the superlatives. But you can look back the entire 12 months. I mean, we talked about it when uh, he was in uh, Pakistan and he'd gone through the whole year, hadn't hadn't uh, missed a chance. We might come to one of his p- potential chances later on in uh, in this chat. But he, he has risen to, you know, I've, well, arguably, unarguably, one of the best keeper batsmen in the world. Yeah, look, you'll get no beef from me. And we, we had this conversation on the way back from the ground last night. Like, he is the best keeper batsman in world cricket mm. uh, at the moment. Average, you know, says that um, notwithstanding that, you know, that missed chance late uh, last night, his glove work's been really, really solid over the course of the last 12 months. Mm. The, the thing that stands out for me really about the two scorecards um when you kind of analyse them, and the, the one thing I just want to start with is New Zealand, in terms of their run rate, 3.7 and over, um, really only two decent contributions in that scorecard. Kind of old-fashioned counter-punching test cricket. Um, but let's not forget that's still a pretty healthy run rate and probably just gets really overshadowed by the fact that England's plan is a little bit different. Well, and, and yesterday, you know, if you think about to, they were 37 for three after 18. So yeah. yesterday they actually scored at that, quite a good rate. And yeah, re- really, really caught up the rate. I, I think the thing when I look at the two scorecards though, England really, pretty much everyone, um, bar Zach Crawley in that sort of top uh, six or seven, and um, really didn't look particularly troubled or flustered got you know decent starts even you know Ben's uh, Ben Folks coming in um, down the order um, uh, after Ben Stokes looked absolutely brilliant until he got about probably 30 and then um, had to sort of you know buy his ticket to the basball uh, function <laughs> and, and 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 really gave his wicket away I think but then contrast that to that New Zealand uh, scorecard where really without um, those contributions from Conway and Blundell, yes, to an extent, you know, someone like Tickner who hung around for a little bit. Um, it was really poor in terms of the application of the, the rest of that New Zealand top order, notwithstanding the fact that England got a new ball 
ball and the lights on on day one, obviously. But yeah, Blundell batted superbly, um, shots all round the ground. Um, and look, I think what, one of the things we'll come on to are those bowling plans and were they the right plans over the course of the uh, the afternoon? Because I know you, you, Stuart, definitely have got a beef with uh, the way England approached that bowling innings. Well, a, a beef might not be the right word because I was quite pleased with it from a New Zealand point of view in, in terms of uh, when we were when we were watching that and, and Conway and Blundell going, they obviously, England got to the point and, and it, seemed, it seemed early to get to the point of essentially saying we're not just going to run in and try and nick you off anymore. Like New Zealand was still, I think, I, I don't know what the score was when they started the, the short pitch plan, maybe, I don't know, 120 for five or something. It seemed like they've they'd gone after the first hour even of that first of the the day yesterday they'd gone. There's nothing in this pitch. There's nothing with this ball. We're getting you know we're, we're getting nothing. We have to try and manufacture a wicket here. And Blundell and uh, you know obviously Wagner went slot you know went at the bowling. That obviously cost England a few you know 15 20 runs, but they got Wagner out. Blundell and Conway were going. Okay, well we're just gonna we're gonna keep playing it. We're gonna play short pitch bowling, but we're just gonna hit every single ball for one, and we're gonna build our innings and work out into it nicely. Obviously, Conway then hit one straight to to square leg, which was a shame. But I, I do think that the way England went about it was was it was a little bit surprising. I mean, Binksy, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, look, I, I absolutely agree with all of the sentiment that you've kind of put out there. Um, I am. I don't know whether it's my sort of proximity to the baseball Kool Aid. I've, I've not physically drunk any of it, but I, I think I'm so close to it now that. Um, and I was just thinking about this, you know, as I was getting ready this morning uh, and getting out of bed, having a shower about um, about this sort of phenomenon and about the way England are going about their cricket and, and the plans. And I thought, do you know what? I've not thought about the Ashes for ages. Um, and normally England are always talking about that. And I know Brendan McCullum is big on, you know, keep your feet on the ground or keep your feet where they are or he's got some kind of saying that's trying to keep you in the moment. I, I am buying into this and being completely in the moment. And I think that that is really what these bowling plans are about. They have said their stated aim is we are going to take 20 wickets and whatever we need to do and what we think is the best way to take 20 wickets is what we're going to do. And they're doing it. I, I, and the really interesting part about that is into that vernacular, and it might just because it doesn't fit in the sentence neatly, they're not saying we're thinking of the best way to take 20 wickets cheaply. They're actually just thinking about the best way to take a wicket at that particular point. So um, Wagner, I was incredulous yesterday at the test match. You, you guys were sitting next to me and you know this. I was like, we've just gifted him 15 or 16 runs. We don't need to buy Neil Wagner's wicket for any price. Um, but that's the plan that they're going with and, and if they think it's going to work um, it works Blundell repelled them tremendously uh, with support from some of that lower order but ultimately I think that you know the plans that they had took the stated aim and they've got you know 10 of those uh, 10 of those 20 wickets that they needed it did play into Blundell's hands I mean he's an excellent excellent back foot player we saw that when he burst onto the scene in, in the test arena in Australia he played the Australians better than anyone I've seen in a long time from a New Zealand point of view off the back foot he was outstanding and he was again yesterday he he hit everything in the middle of the bat he, he barely missed hit one and he hit everything over the top down into the ground he was in complete control the whole time which was just superb to watch from a, from a batting point of view and when he started to run out of partners he decided he was going to take the bowlers on I, I thought it was a massive amount of we talked about it at the ground but a massive amount of respect shown to Jimmy Anderson with the new ball Jimmy Anderson came on 
Blundell went down the wicket and missed it by a door's width and then decided he's going to have to play Jimmy Anderson properly now because yeah. he's just too too crafty and, and, and too good a bowler to be able to, to go the big windy whoosh. But, you know, Blundell's innings was, was picture perfect. It was so controlled against, you know, all sorts of different ways of attacking him. I, I thought it was a fantastic innings. The word I've written down here, and I, and I think actually applies to, to both sides and the things that they did well, is, is purpose. Because I think that when you when we talk about the England, you know, you talked about the England plans, everything they do, there's a, you can see the purpose behind it. You might not agree. And certainly some of the things that they were doing, I would, from it, if thinking about it from an English perspective, I didn't agree with what they were doing, but there's always a reason why they're doing things. Can we come on to that then? Cause I thought that Jack Leach, the purpose wasn't really clear in what he was trying to achieve in, in the way that he went about his bowling. I liked that Joe Root tossed the ball up. He was prepared to forego, economy rate to try and create a mishit and we eventually saw a mishit with with Bracewell um, but I, I don't feel like Jack Leach was bowling to a particularly attacking plan if there was a plan it was a containment one what was your what's your point of view what was your takeaway from from the purpose with which Jack Leach bowled if it's part of that big plan well I think that's that's the part that I don't think they did well so I, I you know the purpose I think all the seamers exactly had plans and what they were trying to do blunder when he was batting he had there was a purpose to what he was trying to do when he, like we said he was trying to hit the ball down trying to take the runs that were on offer without taking risks when leach was bowling and, and even bowling route like what they bowled 23 overs be, between them i i don't think that they were threatening it at any point and i, and I think even you know you just mentioned anderson even with the older ball, even at times when everyone else was looking like there's nothing in this wicket, Jimmy Anderson and and Ollie Robinson to a degree, I think he's probably the unsung hero of, of this bowling effort. And, you know, he got the most wickets, right? He got four wickets. Well, he, he got the most wickets and interestingly did the press conference afterwards as well. So I think that that says a lot about his contribution yesterday. Yep. Um, to pick up on your point, Baldy, I... I, I don't think that the plan for Jack Leach would have been containment because I don't think that that's a plan that would get signed off by the management. If, you know, Jack Leach came and presented that uh, one pager on, you know, containment 1.0, I think Stokes and McCullum would have said, no, that's not one of the plans that we've got. I, I think there's a mitigating factor for him. He was bowling um, into the wind um, and it was pretty strong over the, the batsman's shoulder so you know guys could have pumped him down the ground and I think that maybe and I'm not a spinner that might be why he did go a little bit flatter um, and more more into the wicket but I don't think it was a containment plan I just don't think he bowled very well yesterday yeah. um, and, and executed whatever the you know whatever the plan was and, and you boys as spinners will, will know far better than I what he was actually trying to do and how he was trying to get guys out well, I mean, I, my issue more is like, I just don't think he was the right bowler to bowl for that long. I, I don't really see the purpose in it unless, unless the seamers didn't didn't want to use the seamers that much for you know fitness and and all of you know workload reasons and thought actually we just need to give these guys a, a breather. But it didn't seem like that with Anderson. Anderson didn't bowl for a, for a very long period, and yeah, I don't know. I just think they might have missed a, a slightly missed a trick there in terms of. What they were doing, and I mean, you talked about fields. You saw it in the. Um, we came home, obviously watched a bit of the Aussie India game, and Jadeja ran in and bowled with. He was, you know, they had Australian trouble, but he's bowling and uh, he's got a long on, or he's got a long off. I think it was to to Hanscom. Having players out 
on the boundary is not necessarily like a defensive move. It's it can be very purposeful in what you're trying to do. But yeah, Leach Leach was sort of in between where he sort of had fielders up at, at most of the time, but bowling to quite you know bowling quite flat, trying to create some pressure. But yeah, it just didn't really work. It almost let the guys meander along for a while. Yeah, and look, I think again, just double back on those seamers for for England. Anderson going at a match economy rate of just over two runs and over, and um, by a country mile, um, the, the the best economy rate. And then um, Ollie Robinson, um, four wickets uh, for fifty four for him, clocking in under three, where everybody else um, is getting, you know, let's be honest, getting pumped in this Test match um, so far. And and I mean, look, you you see the. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but it, the I think the 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 way that England bowled it showed the class of their seam attack compared when you look at at our seam attack and you know moving I guess to New Zealand gets bowled out we go into a situation where we're about to bowl under lights pink ball new ball perfect sort of scenario to come in and bowl and we just didn't have the bowling attack to do it in terms of. And I, I don't think that's. I mean, some of it is obviously that that some of these guys are you know the next level down from our, our absolute top bowlers, but we we run in with Southie, your swing bowler, and you just don't have a swing bowler to bowl at the other end from him. And I think that changed how he bowled. He had to bowl a big seven over spell up front, eight over spell or whatever it was, eight, yeah. because I don't think we had the seam attack where you'd normally go. You'd have normally have. Bolt or Henry or someone at the other end where you can rotate round and then you bring on Wagner to do the the work that Kugelein ended up doing the work at the end where you're running in and bumping it in. So I think that class of that English seam attack really shines even brighter when you compare it to, to what New Zealand's been doing in this test. Yeah, look, it seems almost a very, um, and I don't mean this in a nasty way, it, it almost seems a little bit of a club cricket um, style where you know a seamer goes out of the side or a couple of seamers go out of the side and the guy that's been a really really good change bowler gets thrown the new ball when that's not his role mm. um, I mean Neil Wagner um, yeah, England are, you know are blessed at the moment that you know Anderson seems to just go on and on Broad obviously has been a pretty good proponent with the new ball and then they've unearthed Ollie Robinson who can come in and do that so as long oh, as they've they got play- a pretty handy player and pots sitting on the sideline pots archer uh you know yeah, you, you've, Stone. You, they've, got, you've, they've got options wood. so you, many options you've got a number of options but ultimately you know plenty you can get every ounce out of uh, whatever cricket ball is being used and um, i see ollie robinson's after match comments he's still not a fan of that um, that pink cooker bro but we'll save that uh, rant i think for for another day Let's talk a little bit about that last, uh, what would it have been, just about an hour, um, England batting under lights. Um, we've alluded a little bit to the to the, to the the bowling. Um, we've, do we, we just got to go straight to the Nighthawk, haven't we? I think we? we do. I think we do. We've got to go straight to the Nighthawk. <laughs> we'll, skip, we'll skip the openers. We'll go straight to the Nighthawk. Look, it was a microcosm of all that English cricket has come to embody and embrace, hasn't it, really? We're not going to send out a night watchman. We're not going to protect the number four better or number three better or whoever, you know, with 15 minutes to go. We're going to send out a, a, an attacking player in, in Stuart Broad with a license to go and score 20 runs before stumps. I mean, as it was, he hit the second or third one straight up in the air and should have been out second ball, and that would have probably been the end of the Nighthawk for a little <laughs> while. But he survives. He's there this morning. We might get... Um, you know, instead of a nocturnal, a dayturnal 
hawk. I don't know if there's daytunal. Yep, I like it. That's my daughter's version. I like. I like. She calls animals daytunal. Yeah. Um, she's six, by the way, listeners. Uh, no, she's not. She's eight. Um, but when she came, when she came up with the word, she was six. Look, we we get to see innovation again. That England have taken a. a and a situation in a game that normally they would kill 15 minutes in a game, a cricket side like that. But England have gone, no, no, we'll take that as an opportunity to try and wrest more momentum away from the opposition. It didn't quite work this time, but I love how they've embraced it. I love how Stuart Broad's social media is all about being... Hashtag Nighthawk. It's, uh, uh, it's uh, trending on Twitter. A Nighthawk or the Nighthawk? Well, I think he's the Nighthawk. Well, there's no other Nighthawk. He's so. called himself uh, Hawk now, doesn't he? Uh, actually... Uh, let me just go back. He's not. Um, I think if you remember in Pakistan, Rayan Ahmed came in and batted, I think, number three in Pakistan with licence to just give it an absolute biff. So maybe he's the original Nighthawk. Nighthawk. But I think Broad would would have been the Nighthawk, but he didn't get the opportunity to, to he wasn't wear playing. the cape yeah, okay. because they didn't need to, to use it. If he comes out in a cape today, I'm going to lose my... <laughs> I'm going to lose my... There are, there, are so many, there are so many places we could go from this... This Nighthawk conversation, but I, I think one of them is the. Don't bring well, it back to normality, Lippy. We're enjoying it's it. No, well, I, I do want you to explain to us, Binksy, as a keeper, what what went on with that absolute calamity. But before we get to that, let's have the conversation around. We talked about England trying to find the line, and they're pushing towards the line. You know, where is the? How far can we push this without, with, while still being purposeful? I guess, still making positive contributions to the game. I think that was nonsense, wasn't it? Broad running down the wicket, second ball, third ball, trying to hit it up. Like, if he gets caught there, it, it is just bananas. You've just thrown away a wicket. Am I, like, you, you look surprised, Binksy. Am, am, am I not right there? I, look, I, re- I, I honestly don't have an answer <laughs> for you. Yeah. Um, we've t- you've talked a lot about it, and, you know, we are three cricket tragics. Um, we, you know, we, we live, eat, breathe cricket. We've played cricket. We talk about cricket. Um, you know, it's been a passion of all of ours for, you know, for me over 40 years and for you guys co- coming up to that point. Um, but some of the language that we use is very traditional. It's, mm. you know, this is what should have happened. You know, so what should have happened last night was Jack Leach should have come out as night watchman and he should have faced his first ball and then he should have taken his helmet off and he should have got his little glasses polishing rag out <laughs> and he should have, you know, got, got a bit of, you know, an eyelash off his spectacles and he should have faced the next ball and then done a bit of gardening and, you know, probably called for a drink and all of those kind of things and chewed up 15 minutes. That isn't the way that this team are going to play. And I, th- I think to an extent, um, they have to find that line because I think that, you know, that's something that, you know, has been in the, the language um, you know, we, we want to push the line. We want to try everything, and we're not going to know how far that line is away until we go over it. The only the only time that you go over that line is if Stuart Broad hits one up in the air, gets out. Joe Root comes out and then nicks yeah. off second ball, yeah. and then and then that's like you've got a free hit with Stuart Broad, provided he doesn't get out and the guy behind him also doesn't get out, right? Like if Joe Root gets out this, the following ball from Stuart Broad being caught, then they've cro- like yeah. that's that's a that's a bad outcome. Yeah. You've crossed, you've gone gone too far there because it's cost you what you were trying to preserve. Yeah, and I don't know what who has padded up. I, I think that Leach would have come in. Well, Australia had two night watchmen prepped a couple of tests ago. Yeah. They had Neza and, and Lyon yeah. prepped, so it's entirely yeah. possible that they had both of those guys ready to go. Binksy, tell us what's gone on when the ball's gone up in the air. How, how does how does that how does that even happen? 
Yeah, I, I mean, we were we had a pretty good view of it, didn't we? So yeah. we were sitting at uh, a very, very fine sort of third man for that. Or well, no, it would have been fine leg, wouldn't fine it? Because broad, uh, yeah. broad was on strike. Um, but ball went up in the air. It appeared as if Kugelain initially he was going to get it. was going was going to get to it, and then I I think clearly it got to the point where it landed pretty much dead on the popping crease, didn't it? Um, so at some point you would have thought that Blundell has realised that actually he's the guy with the gloves on and should just come in and take that catch. But we don't know. We we weren't out there. We we you know we weren't close enough to to hear the call or lack of call. Um, but yeah, mate, I tell you what. Um, and and look for for listeners. I'm I'm a keeper. I'm I'm pretty well built to be honest. Um, I don't think there would have been anyone getting in my way from claiming a test catch. Um, it was that simple with the with the mitts on. I'd have been literally elbowing someone out of the way and going, mate. A, I've got the gloves. B, this is another test dismissal that's pretty bloody easy. Get the hell out of my way. Yeah. And and look, you know, sitting here now, it's quite entertaining. If Stuart Broad goes out there this morning and smashes 30-odd or 40-odd in quick time and kind of puts England well ahead that in this game. That takes the game away from New Zealand then. It's going to be very disheartening, I think, for New Zealand fans and for, you know, Kugelein and, and Blundell sitting there out or out in the middle you know, running into bowl and behind the stumps going, oh, what what have we done here? Well, particularly given that they their partnership, their graft got New Zealand back into the game in the first place and then to have that, that error of judgment to allow England to get away from them, particularly this morning, would be would be catastrophic from their point of view. Yeah, I don't know whether they do it anymore. They used to do a, a pie chart, didn't they, of who'd won each session in, in the day's play. I think it would have been a pretty simple pie chart for day one England I think would have taken all three segments of that uh, pie I think New Zealand took all three segments of that pie yesterday so it's kind of even in terms of a day all and um, England probably knows is in front in a traditional sense you know yep. 100 runs so that they're essentially what 100 for two or something like that yep. um, but look I think it's it, I think it is a little bit closer than that um, and this first session look it's going to be you know it's going to be a humdinger isn't it um, we're looking out the window of our Papamoa Airbnb here um, there is a, a little bit of light fluffy cloud low in the sky but a set fair again here at, it's the, warm. at the bay it's warm it's going to be four good hours for batting now an old ball for New Zealand now England are going to look at those two sessions and go we can make a lot of runs today and really put New Zealand under pressure tonight yeah if you've got a ticket for day five I don't think it's going to be required is, uh, is probably the call from me. Yep. Well, guys, we'll be back on the Hangover Breakfast tomorrow where we guarantee really big hangovers, don't we? It's Saturday <laughs> night um, in the in the mount. And uh, Saturday night is the night for, well, I, I don't know what, but a few scoops this evening, the top order podcast boys. But we will be back in your podcast feed in the morning. We'll be on socials as well to wrap up on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter each session in today's play at the Bay Oval. But for now, it's good morning and God bless from us all here in Papamoa. We'll see you tomorrow. Good.